Our scripture for today is from the 13th chapter of the book of Hebrews. I'll be reading verses 1 through 16. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them, those who are being tortured as though you yourselves were being tortured. Let marriage be held in honor by all, and let the marriage bed be kept undefiled. For God will judge fornicators and adulterers. Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For as he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So don't be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings, for it is well for the heart to be strengthened by grace and not regulations about food, which have not benefited those who observe them. We have an altar from which those who officiate in the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also suffered outside the city gate in order to sanctify the people by his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp and bear the abuse he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that confess his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. My daughter Catherine attended Live Oak Morning School, a Mother's Morning Out program housed on the first floor of First Baptist Church in Athens, Georgia. The school was named in honor of the giant oak tree that sits on the northwest side of the church. Catherine used to love playing in the leaves of that tree, and here you can see her swimming around in the leaves, and you can see in the background the tree's trunk. At Live Oak, the children learned that mighty oaks from small acorns grow. Every morning, Catherine passed the mighty oak on the way into school, and every day at lunchtime, she passed it again on the way home. Mighty oaks from small acorns grow. When it comes to managing God's blessings, to living a life of faithful stewardship, the question for you and me is not if our lives will have significance, but what significance our lives will have. Not if we are being formed, but by what we are being formed. 
We're all putting down roots. We're all producing fruit. Any gardener or farmer knows that the fruit of our lives is directly related to the roots of our lives. God has blessed you and me abundantly, which means that we must ask ourselves what it means to manage God's blessings, and even more so, what it means to find joy in managing God's blessings. Worthy outcomes take time and work. Results require discipline and dedication. The deep inner soul satisfaction we are longing for is easily drowned out in these days by an ad, some other notification, a task, some noise or screen. These stimulations are exhausting and overstimulating for us, and so we tend to reach again and again for the low-hanging fruit, the instant, the easy, the cheap. Mighty oaks from small acorns grow, but only if the necessary elements and processes are there. The rich, nourishing life we all desire requires careful tending and cultivation mindful management of God's blessings. Hebrews 13 is the final chapter in Hebrews, and it's a list of final instructions. This chapter comes across kind of like the reminder list your mom gives you as you're walking out the door. Don't forget to text me when you arrive. Don't forget your lunch. Don't forget your mask. I counted Hebrews 13 gives 17 instructions for how to live faithfully, how to manage God's blessings. Hebrews is a sermon, and the preacher's word is one of encouragement. Christ will see you through, the preacher says. There will be an abundant harvest if you will let Christ be the master gardener. Of your lives. We don't know exactly where this community of Jewish Christians was, those who first read this letter, but what we do know is that they experienced intense persecution and isolation. Why should they stay in the game? They were considering giving up the way, following Christ, Why should they make themselves vulnerable to Roman officials ransacking their homes and stealing their possessions, to unjust imprisonment, to continual rejection, isolation, and fear? They were the lowest of the low in their social structure, and they were wondering why it was a good idea to do this anyway. We need encouragement, too, for different reasons. We need to be reminded why we worship, read our Bibles, pray, give our offerings, help our neighbors. Why do we love our enemies? Why are we seeking peace? Why do we forgive and reconcile? The Hebrews preacher addresses one of our stumbling blocks, one of our barriers to growth. The barrier is that we tend to turn the rules 
traditions and practices of our faith into the thing, the main thing. It's easy for our religion, which is the expression of our faith, to become our God. This comes up in the Bible again and again and again in both the Old and New Testament. I don't want your sacrifices. God says, I don't want your burnt offerings or your eloquent prayers, your tithes, your prideful displays of religion. What I want is repentance, humility, a yielded and willing soul. I want your heart. The Apostle Paul says it in another way in 1 Corinthians 13 when he says, I can perfectly manage God's blessings. I can have a squeaky clean record, an Ivy League religious education, perfect achievement in all of my spiritual disciplines, the most amazing marriage or friendships or social justice work. But if I don't have love, if I don't have Christ, then I have nothing. As we think about managing God's blessings, Here are the action steps I want you to hear from Hebrews 13 today. These are action steps that apply to every sphere of our lives. School, work, marriage, struggle, friendship. This is really an ethic for managing God's blessings. Go to Jesus. Go where Jesus is, verse 13 says. Humbly seek. Share the good. Go to Jesus. Humbly seek what good you are called to share. A number of years ago, I sat in a coffee shop in Decatur, Georgia, with one of my mentors, who just happened to be one of the very few female senior pastors of a Baptist church in the state of Georgia. We were talking about calling, and she said to me, Hannah, find what keeps you closest to God and spend your life doing that. Go to Jesus. Find what it is in this world, in your life, that brings you closest to God. And pour water on that. Allow the Holy Spirit to show you where there is light and life and love in what you do every day. And then pour sunshine on that. Take time to notice the presence of God in your life each day. And when you notice God's presence, let those seeds of gratitude be planted in the soil of your life. In your worship guide today, there is listed the steps of the prayer of examine. This is a daily prayer that maybe you could try this week to help you notice God's presence in your life. Humbly seek. This is a particularly relevant way for us 
to understand what Hebrews means when it says we need to offer sacrifices of praise. Humbly seeking is not our natural way of being in the world. We like to be in the driver's seat, and we like to make things happen for ourselves on our own timetables. We like to boast or find security or hope in our achievements, our wealth, that which we have earned. We tend to rely on our own problem-solving skills. We like to be in control. We like to be rooted in self-reliance and like to think that we can modify the fruit of our lives or that we can somehow provide the growth. But the Bible tells us that God provides the growth. So what do you need to do in order to be humbly seeking? First, we need to understand that God is not limited to certain days and times of the week or certain parts of our lives. We need to practice, practice, practice listening. Listening to what our lives are telling us. Are we exhausted and depleted? Are we energized and fulfilled? When? How? We need to rest and care for ourselves enough that we're not always running on fumes. When when we are the source of our own energy and fulfillment, it's very difficult for our hearts to be open to the wonder of God. It's very difficult to rest in God And notice that God is, after all, doing the deep soul-tending in us that we are longing for. It's difficult to know that God is, after all, a gardener we can trust with our lives. When we're in charge, it's hard to trust that God is going to satisfy our longings and our desires. God is going to heal our wounds God is going to offer us rest and restoration for our weary souls. Practice. Practice humbly seeking. This place of humility and yieldedness is really the optimal place from which to share good. We can share all kinds of good. We can give and help until our accounts are empty and our feet hurt. That is not what God is after. God is not interested in us overworking for God. God is interested in you being you. The unique, marvelous creation you are. And from a place of health and authenticity, Christ wants to offer good to the world around you. What are your God-given dreams, desires, skills, talents, and abilities? When you share those things, what energizes you? What keeps you going when the going gets tough? What moves you from asking, what can I do, to knowing, this is what I must do, today, tomorrow, next week, to share good in the world? Go to Jesus. 
Humbly seek what good you are called to share. I am not a mathematician, but I think this might be a formula for managing God's blessings in a way that brings us joy, hope, energy, life. Brother, sister, a final word for you today. There is a lot of hurt in this world right now. There's pandemic hurt, there's election hurt, there's racial hurt. Maybe you're feeling that hurt in your community, in your family, in yourself. Maybe you're trying hard to avoid the hurt because you're overwhelmed by it or just totally burned out. Earlier in the pandemic, Doyle and I were talking about the uncertainty ahead of us in 2020. It kind of felt like all the stepping stones on our path had been picked up by a tornado and scattered across the landscape in all the wrong places. No matter what we did, there was vulnerability risk, cost, consequence. Doyle said to me, Hannah, maybe we're feeling the vulnerability, the hurt, the uncertainty that billions of people around the world living in poverty or injustice have experienced every day for their entire lives. I want you to notice where Hebrews 13.13 tells us Jesus is. He is outside the camp. He is outside the city, outside the place of belonging and blessedness and privilege and luxury. The Hebrews preacher undeniably places Jesus among the marginalized, the poor, the sinner, the outcast, the oppressed, the disinherited, the crucified, the thrown away. We are tearing each other apart, and that's not a new thing. I want to encourage you by reminding you that Jesus resisted this impulse. And he didn't resist this impulse with violence or abusive speech or an eye for an eye. Jesus put himself in a lose-lose situation for the purpose of love's triumph. And that might be what we're called to do in order to share good with each other, with our families, with our community. Jesus intentionally surrounded himself with people whose beliefs, words, and actions toward poor Jews like Jesus were offensive. To anyone else, tax collectors and zealots and Pharisees would be enemies. There is a cost for being able, there's a cost to being able to see and care for each other for who we really are which is beloved children of God. When we are decentered in our life of faith, 
it means we are also decentered in our practice of relationship with family, friends, and strangers. And so that means we have to let go of hatred and retribution and bitterness. That means we no longer get to reduce people to the status of enemy. Howard Thurman says this in the most beautiful and profound way I have ever read. Love of enemy means that a fundamental attack must first be made on the enemy status. Reducing people to enemy status is only going to fuel the drug of hatred in our systems. Jesus is ready to break that cycle. And so, my friend, I encourage you to go to Jesus. Even though it's going to take you outside the place of belonging and blessedness. Go to Jesus to humbly seek the good you are called to share. And there you will know the joy of managing God's blessings. Amen.